0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Choir Fam podcast.
1: I'm Dean Lethe, the Director of Choral Activities at Washington State University. And I'm Matthew Myers, the Coordinator of Choral
0: Music Education at Washington State University.
1: In our discussions about the current state of choral music and what it will look like in the future, we agreed that more conversations need to happen to bring the choral community together.
0: And that's why we're here. We bring guests from the worldwide choir fam onto the show to share their wisdom and help make our choral world a little bit closer.
1: By speaking with our guests, we hope to provide interesting tidbits of knowledge you could use in your day-to-day rehearsals and give you a sense for how issues that matter to all of us are being observed and addressed.
0: We hope you'll enjoy these conversations as we work to strengthen our choral community. Welcome to the Choir Fam. So, Dean, how are things going? You've started your sabbatical. Uh, what does that look like for
1: you? It is really, really strange. It, it is. I've been telling my wife I have to work pretty hard to not work hard at all. And the, the thing is, uh, oh, I, I, I feel like I'm not doing much. I dedicated myself to the first couple weeks here to not do anything. It's just good medicine. You know, no work. I have a sabbatical project, but not to dig into that. I'm, my appetite's there, but I'm just sort of just, hey, do some other stuff. So, you know, this will be silly. And some people, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care. Some people may say it's silly, but I'm watching Better Call Saul. Okay. I'm watching that. Uh, I also am uh, playing Hollow Knight on the Switch. And these are things like i can 't do during the during the year i'm i 'm busy and i 'm not going to do that okay but yeah. this is i'm i 'm forcing myself forcing myself to do this and i 'm enjoying it i 'll say that too anyway so uh so there 's that and in a couple of weeks here i 'm going to start my sabbatical project and then uh, you know, fold in leisure at the same time. So I think that'll be a better balance. But the thing is for our listeners here, you know, I'm gone from WSU this fall here and Matt is taking over for uh, me for the WSU concert choir and uh, did all the auditions and everything. So Matt, how's the start of the year with that, with all that going on?
0: It's going well. Um, So we, so I heard something like 150 auditions this week. Between WSU and my community choir. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So right now I'm working with five choirs. And, um, you know, some people um, say, like, how are, how are you doing that? And, like, this is the easiest part of my life. Like, this is what I'm most trained to do.
1: Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: like, um, yeah, working with choirs is something I very much enjoy. Um, and there are other things to teach that take a little bit more mental work to prepare each day, um, you know. Uh, So in my choral methods class, we're actually reading about um, like the learning cycle. And I think that when it comes to teaching choir, I'm in the fourth stage that there's, (laughs) it's called unconscious competence that you don't have to think about some of the tiny little details that like you've Mm. worked it out and you can just do it. This is my first time teaching choral methods. I really have to (laughs) think methodically about what went into that syllabus you know, the choir syllabi didn't take nearly as long. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm feeling good about um, where the semester's starting and a lot of great, uh, great new people involved in choirs, both at WSU and in the community. So that's great. Yeah. So, Dean, you were kind enough to invite our guest today. Um, would you like to tell our audience how you know him and why you brought him here?
1: Sure. Uh just uh there's not a lot to tell uh but here goes so um back in 2013 uh in dallas acda national conference i saw the philippine magical singers and so uh they were awesome it was wonderful and just in the back of my brain i just kind of had them you know you go to conference and you hear these ensembles and you just have them in your head and you're just thinking about that and then uh Nilo's name has come across my desk a couple of times. He is, um, good about communicating things. And, uh, as I was looking at repertoire for this past year, concert choir, we performed Kaisa Isa Neon. And, um, so I got to take a look at, uh, Nilo's work just a little bit. And so our guest Nilo Alcala is a composer and, uh, studied in the States for a bit. He's in the Philippines now. And, um, yeah, I will say this. There is not a lot more than that, other than I'm excited to have a composer on here. I'm excited to learn more about Nilo. And I thought that that is enough motivation that perhaps the ChoirFam family, the Choir fam listeners, would like to hear more about Nilo as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of hearing more about Nilo, uh, here is his biography. Trailblazing composer and artist Nilo Alcala is carving a legacy for Philippine arts internationally. He's the first Philippine-born composer to receive the Copeland House Residency Award in 2017, as well as to be commissioned by Grammy winner Los Angeles Master Chorale. He's also the first Filipino-American artist to be featured as Musical America Worldwide's Artist of the Month, and be awarded the American Prize in the Professional Division Major Choral Works category. He has received the two Ani Ng Dangal Harvest of Honor Awards from two Philippine presidents. His commissions include San Bernardino Symphony Orchestra, Asia Europe Foundation, Andrea O. Venerason International Choral Festival, Korean Ministry of Culture, National Music Competition for Young Artists, Manila Symphony Orchestra, the Filipino-American Symphony Orchestra, and many other ensembles. Other notable performances include the World Youth Choir, Asia-Pacific Youth Choir, San Francisco Girls Chorus, the UP Symphony Orchestra, the Metro Manila Community Orchestra, and the South Dakota Symphony Orchestra. Alcala's virtuosic choral works have been performed by numerous winning ensembles in prestigious competitions and festivals in Asia, Europe, Africa, and the Americas. He was member and composer in residence of the Philippine Madrigal Singers, a UNESCO Artist for Peace. An Asian Cultural Council grantee, Alcala was a Billy Joel Fellow at Syracuse University, where he received the Irene L. Crooker Music Award. Alcala was composer mentor from 2016 to 2019 of Pasadena Master Chorale's Listening to the Future program for Promising High School Composers. In 2022, In cooperation with the Rotary Club University District in Quezon City, Philippines, Alcala has established the Rotary Club University District Nilo Alcala Arts Scholarships for student
1: artists. So, Nilo, thanks for joining us and welcome to the choir fam.
2: Hi. Hello, Dean. Hello, Matt or Matthew uh, and everyone listening. Hello from the Philippines actually. <laughs> yeah, so it's 6:30 p.m.
1: here on the west coast of the United States. So, uh what time do you have there?
2: It's 9:30-ish a.m. the following <laughs> day. Yeah. Oh. Well, there we go.
1: <laughs> so, uh one of the things that binds us together and makes us think all sort of the same and along the same lines is having an understanding of our weather and currently it is around 86 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, around here, something like that. So what is the weather like in the Philippines right about now? And by the way, what city are you in? I, I, I apologize. I didn't ask that earlier.
2: So I, I live in Lucena City. It's about three hour a three-hour drive away from the capital, which is Manila. And it's tropical all year round. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it, it, it becomes rainy for a bit. Right now, it's a little... It's sunny, but the, this month, we've had... Uh, um a lot of rains it's it's typical around this time of the year but it's tropical all year round tropical climate all year round
1: <laughs> you so hear that listeners i don't know where is if someone wanted to go on a little tour uh let's just say they wanted to do uh some visitation where would they go is it manila is that where is that where people go where do people go
2: well manila is a city but I would recommend that tourists go to the beaches, Boracay and other other places in, in, in uh, actually all over the country. There are a lot of like really white sand, pure powdery sand beaches that they can go to. <laughs> nice.
1: Well, thanks for talking to us about that. We're here <laughs> to have you do, talk about choir stuff. Um, <laughs> so let's have Matt start out with this question yeah so Nilo, we ask all our guests the
0: same starting question um just to get to know you a bit more. So can you tell us how you fell in love with choral music?
2: Oh wow. Um, well, I come from a very musical family. my my late parents, they they're both they're both into music. my my dad, he played all sorts of instruments. Um uh, my mom, also she, they both write song. They both wrote songs, and um, so it was. Uh, music was was. It just comes out naturally in our family. It comes naturally. Uh, also, both of my sisters. I um I I know I I have. There's a recording somewhere of me singing at like two or one year old, two years old. Um, but then I think singing for I I my first. Singing engagement, I guess, was when I was in at seven years old. Uh, it was solo singing; it wasn't yet choir singing. But I joined the choir probably when I was in grade four or five, and, and that's that's actually the first time I, I got involved in a choir, and it was amazing um, for a young boy, you know, hearing different voices singing together. It just it unlocks something in your mind. Um, I, I I didn't know I was gonna be a composer back then, but but that, that was the start. Um, and then uh, it, it kind of went into the back burner a bit. Um, I, I went to college. Um, I didn't really take music first. But I joined the choir again. Uh, at It was the University of the Philippines Los Baños Choral Ensemble, or UPLB Choral Ensemble. And that's where my um, love for choral music got ignited again, it 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 just, it, you know, it, it ignited this, this, not only the singing, but it started, um, it inspired me to first arrange music for choirs and then composing after that. So after those
0: experiences, um, like what, what was the next step to start to become a, a composer? And did you start off with choral music or did you kind of compose in all the various genres or, yeah, what, what was your trajectory to get to where you are?
2: Um, so um, music wasn't my first degree. I took development communication. I, f- I finished that and then I went to work. And then I, I kind of missed singing with, with the choir. And um, I didn't really, I haven't composed anything yet um by that time although because you know my parents were already were were songwriters or they were musicians um, i kind of felt like i think i can write my own tunes or i can you know dabble i first started with arranging uh uh arranging music like pop music first <laughs> for for my for my choir mm-hmm. and then uh i guess it turned out okay you know we uh, the choir performed it a few times, and um, so by this time I, I was already working for a. I was a communications officer for a non-government organization, and I actually hated the eighty-five, the eight-to-five office thing. So I, I, I told myself, I, I wanna, I want, I want to learn to compose. I want to learn to 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 write music. So I, <laughs> interestingly, I, I. I I studied for the entrance exam. Uh I like self-studied for the entrance exam for, for for the UP College of Music. I wrote my very first piece for that audition, um, a, a very ambitious double choir, hallelujah, and one a sort of pop-ish kind of um inspirational song, a piano and voice thing. And I got in and everything, you know. I'll start it from there.
1: <laughs> so when was that? What What year are we talking around?
2: Oh, uh, wait, let me see. Um, so I graduated from my first degree 19, wait 1999. And then I worked for a couple of years. And then I went back to school for music, composition, 2001.
1: And that was the University of Philippines?
2: Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh,
1: during that time... Uh, went back for composition. What were you writing? What was the forces? What was the medium? What was the instrumentation? Was it all kinds? It was because it was part of the curriculum, or did you have to say, "Well, I'm going to focus on choir. I'm going to focus on strings." Or how'd that go?
2: We well, I wrote a lot of instrumental stuff, but since I was a, I'm a chorister. I a lot of my works were also for choirs. I mean, you know, if it's your first language so to speak, you, it comes naturally for you.
1: So, um, so you went to the university of Philippines and then you started doing this composition. And when did, at that point, uh, when you finished with your university studies, what came next?
2: Um, I went, I actually went straight to master's, to Syracuse University. Um, that was 2007. Um, so from, imagine from tropical Philippines, going to upstate New York, which is like snowy, almost all year, all year round. <laughs> well, not really all year round, but so it was a, a shock to my system. <laughs> yeah.
1: So uh I'm sorry, I'll let you in here, Matt. I'm just so excited. And uh for those of you listeners that know John Warren, that's who we're talking about here at Syracuse University. So yeah, Yeah. shout out to Syracuse.
2: (laughs) Hi, Dr. Warren.
0: (laughs) So I'm sure that when you went to Syracuse, there was more than just the weather. That was a lot to get used to. Um I I imagine that the experience in your master's degree um built along upon the skills. Okay, I'm gonna start over. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry. Dave. It's
2: my fault. Sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. It's just like restating my question, but like, yeah. Okay. Here we go. So heading up to upstate New York. Yeah. You had to get used to the weather, but it was also probably different in a whole lot of ways from your education back in the Philippines. So what was similar in studying composition from your bachelor's to your master's? Um, but what other new things, uh, did you learn from that experience?
2: You know, co- comparing my uh my bachelor's program and then the master's program, um the bachelor's program, I, I feel like it was the start of building the tools for for everything you need to 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 compose and to set a career. And then in the master's program, especially in Syracuse University, they I I know I and I I feel that my voice, my my own compositional voice sort of was encouraged to shine and to, um, to take its own form, I guess. Um, I was encouraged to be, to sound like myself. If, if you know, if that's, if that makes sense. <laughs> it
0: absolutely does. And, you know, from having heard Concert Choir last year, last year do one of your pieces. And when I heard the Philippine Madrigal Singers a few years back, um got to hear some of your music as well but for our listeners who haven't heard your music what is the voice of Nilo Alcala that developed like what what would you say are the trademarks of your style
2: i usually do a lot of um choral works that get inspiration from philippine indigenous chants uh, there's a lot of inspiration inspiration um i mean materials that you can get inspiration from from all over the Philippines we have uh like 7000 plus islands and and with it it um different cultures and with those different cultures different soundscapes and that it that itself is is like a very rich um um jump off point for a new composition so what i would usually do is um If if I have a contact, a personal contact with a certain tribe, I would interview them. I would um, ask permission to to use uh, like a certain folk chant that I would use. And then I would recompose that, but in in a manner that is still respectful of of the original form of the chant, of original setting. But then there's something new that's added to it. And um, Philippine indigenous music is very rhythmic very intricate it has layers of rhythm in it and um maybe dean can can say that he 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 he's seen that in 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 the work that they've performed um Isanian. so that takes inspiration from the kulintang ensemble it's it's a percussion ensemble from the southern philippines it ha- it's it has um a a boss it has boss gongs of different sizes and um it has a drum and it has other bigger size gongs that accompany the main kulintang. And it it has layers and layers and layers of beautiful rhythms in it. And um, if you're able to hear, which is the work that um, they performed, um, uh, you will hear those rhythms. But of course I do also other things, other things, but then this intricacy and then this um, um, sort of um, layers of, of rhythms, it, it, it also appears in other works, although sort of veiled in, in some way. It, it's, it's not as in-your-face rhythmic. It becomes like a veil of of rhythms that become uh, translucent, so to speak. But the, the intricacy is still there.
1: I was going to say that, uh, taking a look at some of your other works, there is uh, shaded textures there, that there's this germ of this Playful thing that's happening, but it's in the background, and there's sort of some other things happening at the same time. And that germ is based upon perhaps chant or perhaps uh, some sort of folk melody. And the the interesting thing is about kyusei so, Let's talk about that really quick. Is that if it's a folk melody, inherently it is simple enough to be able to transmit orally to somebody else over perhaps generations, and maybe it'll modify from time to time. But for you to take, um, I don't even know if this is the, the, the best way to say this, but to take that folk music and to make it into what we might call contemporary art music, contemporary choral art music. Um, I think, Nilo, you do that in a really wonderful and sophisticated way. And, oh, and it's beautiful that you say, you know, trying to be respectful of this at the same time. So it's beautiful.
2: Thank you. Thank you. It is. It's actually important for me to represent Philippine culture in a manner that's, you know, respectful, tasteful, and uh, what's the word? It doesn't bastardize the the original source of, of the material. Yeah, I think what's really cool is
0: just how complex it can become with really simple. Um, you know, we've got this germ motive of like two notes in yes. kaisa. But it travels in all these keys from all the different parts, and yeah. Um, so you can take something that's um, so small and turn it into something complex. It's very um, it's
2: done very artfully. Thank uh, you. Actually, you know, you, you're 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 hitting something there. Um, I, it's more freeing for me when the material is like smaller or you know very "code,"d quote economical. Just two three notes. It means I can do a lot more with it. Um, as compared to say, an actual song with you know an inherent um, chord progression in it, I'm, so you're, you're, some, somehow our brains um, would want to accommodate that inherent chord progression in it, or you know the 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 uh, the actual contour of the of the melody. But when you have like just two three notes, and then it gives you a lot of creativity to let, you know, that material explode.
1: (laughs) So for those listeners that are uh, wondering about Kaisa Isa Neon and Nilo's work, here is a little excerpt of the WSU concert choir singing Kaisa Isa Neon. So Nilo, uh, I'm really interested in talking to composers, really interested in some of the very sort of minutiae things about this. So you have a melody that you'd like to work with. Let's just say you you have a melody that you'd like to work with. Do you go to uh, pencil, paper, piano? Do you go to the computer? What what do you do? What is your sort of uh, compositional process to input, tinker, all of this stuff? What is it?
2: You know, I don't um, sit down right away and write something. I would, I would like play with the the idea in my head, like maybe for several days, sometimes a week. Um, and I would, if if it's a uh, folk material, I would re- do a lot of research about that, uh, the source of that that material. Um, if if there's a, a living person alive that's you know an authority about that that um music or a person actually from a tribe where it's actually from i would talk to them um and most mostly like i would just let my mind go free and because um composition for me is probably 80 percent imagination and then the 20 is like sitting down and you know doing the dictation of of what you've heard in your head already. And of course, you know, you craft it, you use what you've learned at school, you craft the material and you shape it. But um, 80% happens before that, at least for me. I imagine everything before I sit down. And then, yeah, I I sit down with with a pen and paper, uh, with my keyboard. Uh, Sometimes I go directly to my notation software. So it's just but it's, it's there already and you'd have to transcribe or to, to notate everything afterwards. Yeah.
1: So prior to us recording today, you had also mentioned that you had a residency coming up here at Syracuse university. Uh, so could you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yes. I'm doing a couple of things with Syracuse university, my alma mater. Um, I'm heading there this November for the Society of Composers, Inc. uh, regional conference to talk about my work. And then there's a concert by the SU singers uh, featuring um, a few of my works. Uh, So shout out to Dr. John Warren. Hi. He's he's been uh, championing some of my works. Even when I was still a student there, um, we performed a couple of my works while I was still singing under his a baton and um, uh, I—he's I, just an amazing guy. Um, and then I—I I also have another project with them, which is for next year. But I'm writing the music right now. It's—it's it's a large, multi-movement work for choir and orchestra, um, and it talks about um, this little-known friendship between the Philippines and the Jewish people. Um, around the time of the the Holocaust, um, a lot of nations have had been closing their doors uh, and um, surprisingly the Philippines is one of the few um, countries who let the the Jewish refugees in during that time like there's a couple of thousands or more that were rescued and and that this oratorio um, we'll talk about that the libretto is being being uh, the the sorry the libretto is uh was written by uh, well myself a friend uh, Filipino friend Joey Vargas and um, Joan Sapiro Beal um whose wife of, of composer uh, Jeff Beal um and it's 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 just uh I I just uh, I I don't know I don't want to talk about all the details about it but I'm really excited about it yeah. <laughs> So we've
0: talked, uh, we've talked around the existence of the Philippine Madrigal Singers. Um, Many of our listeners may know that they're objectively one of the best choral ensembles in the world. Um, And also the Philippines is a nation that has just a fantastic singing culture. So can we talk a little bit more about that? You know, we've we've talked about how it's infused in your work, um, but your experiences singing and also writing for this uh, fantastic ensemble.
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, The choir has been around for, well, since 1963. So I started as a fan of of the choir. I first heard them when I was still in my first uh, college, UPLB, singing with another choir. But um, when I first heard them, I I, I heard them sing uh, this piece called La Guerre, a French madrigal, which imitates... Uh, sounds of war, and then and I, I I didn't know much about music then. I thought it was gibberish, <laughs> gibberish. And then I I, th- I I kind of made a mental note. oh, you've pro- you can probably make you know, create music that's out of nonsensical words or gibberish words. And fast forward to you know a few years later, I was already at the UP College of Music, which is a different campus, taking composition. Now I'm a member of the choir, and I'm writing onomatopoeic pieces for the for that choir. And I was looking back, I was saying to myself, "Oh, how ignorant I was <laughs> Just think it was it was nonsensical, it was gibberish." <laughs> so yeah, um, um, the choir since 1963 um, uh, has existed. Um, we 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 do a lot of tours around the world every year. So we would be out of the country for 3 months, 5 months. So it took me a while to finish my my composition degree <laughs> because I was touring a lot with with the choir and touring was such an eye opener for anyone actually not just for for singers. Um um my favorite thing about touring is that I get to hear other choirs from other countries and my my soundscape would be, you know, would my ears will be open to open up to new new scales new 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 pieces, new works from composers i haven't known before that tour. and it was also a a way of networking i guess um I get to meet conductors and i they get interested in in pieces that I've written that the magical singers have performed so in in a way um I have the philippine magical singers to thank for for um spreading my music all over the world
1: (laughs) that is that is so amazing i was thinking here okay uh you know if there was an ensemble that i wanted to be in like when i was when i was younger it was the king singers the king singers i just looked up to so i was just thinking wow if i grew up and well i'm not british but Nevertheless, but, yeah. um, but, uh, that is, that is an amazing story. Just thinking about that as you were younger, oh, this, this group is just wonderful. And then you're singing with it. That's just amazing.
2: Yeah. Yes.
0: And, and yeah, I was going to say, um, that I feel like composers often get like siloed into this small room where they write on their own and there's also a great tradition of so many other composers who've been really successful associated with the same choir. And I'm curious how much you've influenced each other. Um, so, yeah, can you speak to that a little bit, like some of the other composers that um, have been part of this organization?
2: Oh, yeah. Um, actually, the the... the The Magical Singers, or we fondly call it The Mads, like a nickname. The Mads, it has produced uh, quite a number of composers and arrangers, actually, from its ranks. Um, uh, There's one that's very influential to me, um, Eudenice Palaruan. Uh, um, He came, well, he sang with The the Mads uh, years before me, and his works also would incorporate um, indigenous materials in in in, in his works, so uh, he's he's one 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 of um one one composer that I look up to, and um, there are younger composers after me that are really also doing well as as choral composers. Um, a friend and colleague who's now in in who's also in Los Angeles, uh, Saunders Choi has been commissioned by a lot of of, of um, um, ensembles all all over the country. And um, yeah, yeah, m- m- many other uh, other names that are es- escaping my mind right now. <laughs> but um, well, thanks to to our exposure to the Filthy and magical singers, uh, I, ca- I guess I could say singing with the mads. Um, uh, it helps. It, it, has, it has helped me personally to to write pieces that are, I of, of course, singable. But then because you're working with an excellent choir, it, you're sort of, um, it gives you freedom to, to, to push the boundaries a bit. Um, so a lot of my works, some would say, would be virtuosic. But then for me, it wasn't really because I was working with a specific ensemble that I was writing for. And um, yeah, it was just, I was just responding to the instrument that I was given with.
1: That is interesting, yeah. I was just thinking, um, oh, those folks that were writing for the Dale Warland Singers back then and the, all these folks. It's more virtual. Yeah, exactly. It's just these are the ensembles that can do the work. So, of course, it's 8, 9, 10, 12 parts, you know, and you're thinking about this, and these are folks that aren't necessary. They're coming to the table with a, a vast amount of skill and technique. And so you can – the level in which you start is – pretty darn high. And then you can just go from there. So that's amazing. That's just so wonderful. Well, um, I think it's time, Matt, is it time? Oh, it's time. It is time for our lightning round.
0: Yeah. So we've got a series of questions (laughs) and as this is our first episode of season two audience, we have some new questions. So, um, Don't take too long to think about your answers. Just whatever comes to mind is a good answer. So, first question. When you were in high school, who was your favorite musical artist?
1: Oh, Mm, Michael Jackson. Nice. Um, If you could pick any career other than music, what would it be?
2: I would want to be a... Sports superstar, like a basketball star or something, (laughs) which I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Do you prefer dogs or cats? Dogs, but I recently have been uh, fond of cats as well. (laughs) Nice. Um, So, if you
1: could be an extra in any movie you've seen, what movie would that be?
2: Back to the Future.
1: That is an awesome answer. That would be great. You're at the Twin Pines Mall just watching this happen. That would be awesome.
0: Yeah. And like, there are lots of extras in that movie. So totally. There are.
1: (laughs) You could be in the high school watching Marty McFly try to, uh, you know. (laughs) To disappear. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Dancing to Johnny be Good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Uh, Okay. If you had to pick one favorite choral piece, what would it be?
2: oh that's too many there's too many um oh um a piece by a Filipino composer Francisco Feliciano it's called Pamugun because it also has uh um, influenced me in in creating like onomatopoeic pieces
1: Would you do our our listeners a favor and the hosts a favor and would you spell the name of that uh composer
2: Francisco, it's F-R-A-N-C-I-S-C-O. I I hope that's correct. And then Feliciano, F-E-L-I-C-I-A-N-O. And the same thing with the composition. Pamugun, P-A-M-U-G-U-N, Pamugun.
1: Wonderful. So uh, speaking of composers, what is one composer you feel needs more attention?
2: Hmm. Um, uh, well, I, there are many Filipino composers that went ahead of me that are influential for my, influential to my writing. And and yeah, that Francisco Felician is one of them. So I would, would really, uh, put the spotlight on him. Uh, he's, uh, he's, he's a national artist, um, in our country it's it's an award or a recognition given by the philippine government to to artists with exemplary uh, accomplishments and i i this a lot of works of him that needs to be heard by by people from all over the world and pamugun is one of them it's one of the most performed actually by by choirs from all over the world but then there are many other other works by this composer that need to be um, uh, brought to light.
0: Fantastic. Um, So what is your favorite memory associated with choral music?
2: Favorite memory? Um, Singing with the Philippine magical singers on tour and in competitions and in festivals all over the world. Well,
1: that is a wonderful memory. Absolutely. Um, So we touched on a couple of uh, projects you have coming up, but are there any other projects you're working on right now that you're excited about? Perhaps some other compositions that you have in the, in the oven or any other things that you, that you're coming up that's coming up.
2: Oh, uh, I'm writing a chamber opera for uh, this um, opera company in Boston called white snake projects. And uh, it's, it's it's a company of of all Asian personalities or Asian American personalities, and the the opera is actually by five, four or five Asian American composers, and so it's I think the project is called Fractured Mosaics, and then we're given um, a section of that uh, opera to to set music into, and it's really exciting, and um, it's gonna be. Um, launch, I guess, in in March of next year. So that's what I'm doing right now. And several other things. Um, I juggle between projects right now. (laughs) Sure.
0: Well, it looks like we're about to run out of time. But if our audience would like to get in touch with you, Nilo,
2: or follow you on social media, uh, how could they do that? Um, They can visit my website at www.niloalkala.com. That's N-I-L-O-A-L-C-A-L-A dot com. And um, my Twitter and my Instagram, it's at Alcalanilo, which is also my name, but the last name first. And yeah, you can get in touch with me uh, through my website. Awesome.
1: The website's great. You can uh, see samples of his works, here, hear, uh, hear uh, excerpts as well. So it's wonderful. Well, Nilo, it was great talking with you today. We thank you. Our audience thanks you. And we're happy to call you a part of the Choir Fam.
2: I'm happy to be part of the Choir Fam. Thank you, everyone.
1: (laughs) I'm Dean Lethe. I'm Matthew Myers. And you've been listening to the Choir Fam podcast. Remember to subscribe to our
0: podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you liked the show, please rate and review. If you didn't like the show,
1: please let us know how we can better serve our choir fam. You can follow our Instagram page at ChoirFamPod or email us at ChoirFamPodcast at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you, and thanks again for being a part of the Choir Fam.